As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome to Killer Queens. Yay! I'm Torella. And I'm Tori. A lot of people don't know, like, even if they already listen to us, they see pictures or videos and they're like, I don't know which one you are. I have heard that. I've also heard that you sound like you have purple hair, which I don't know what that says about me and my voice. It's hurtful. Well... Anyway, so welcome or welcome back or whatever. And uh, today we're going to be covering the murder of Nicholas Markowitz, but you may know it as the movie Alpha Dog. Isn't Justin Timberlake in that one? He sure is. He plays Jesse Ruge. But I'll go through, I'll just go through everybody right now. So Nicholas Markowitz is the victim. He was 15 years old at the time. The all of the people involved in the crime were uh, Ryan Hoyt. He was 20 years old and he was played by somebody who I've never seen before. Uh, Jesse Ruge was 20. He was played by JT. William Skidmore was 20 and he was played by a wrestler that I don't know who he is. Um, There's a guy named Graham Press. Was it Hulk Hogan? Uh, Hulk Hogan. Exactly. It was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, because they had the okay. same mustache, you know. That's just easy. And mullet, yeah. William Skidmore, wait, did I already say him? Yeah. Sure did. He was played by Hulk Hogan. Ugh, duh. And then <laughs> uh, Graham Presley was 17 at the time. He also was played by somebody, I don't know. And then Jesse James Hollywood was played by Emil Hirsch, I think is his name. Okay. Yeah. And not listed here, but is a part of the story is Ben Markowitz, which was Nick's older brother. He was played by Ben Foster. I love Ben Foster. He's a fantastic actor. Who would have known from, oh, Flash Forward? Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, who knew that guy was going to turn around and be like just a really, really, you know, because those kind of TV shows you just don't know. Well, and for anybody that does not know Flash Forward, um, it was a Disney show Disney that came original. on in... The early 90s. Well, not early 90s, like mid-90s, I feel like. Is Mid that to late the 90s. one with the girl named Ren? No, that's even Stevens. That's even Stevens. Okay, I'm getting them confused. Flash forward was Ben Foster, but there was a girl. Oh, there was a girl, and I can't remember her name for anything. Was it his love interest or his sister? It wasn't his sister. I think that they were just really just good friends. friends. Okay. And then there was maybe some, like, sexual tension for, like, middle school. If oh, you know my what I mean. God. They, may they maybe held hands. I don't know. It was risque. 
maybe they went into a room and the door was closed and parents were not around. I don't know why mom let us watch it, to be honest. Yeah, because we probably got pregnant just watching it. (laughs) I made all of the ladies in the first two rows pregnant. Ain't no party like my Nana's tea party. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, so Ben... Let's get ready to rumble. Ben Foster, amazing actor. So... Yes. You can... You can watch Alpha Dog on Netflix. It's it's there. But um, here's the thing about Alpha Dog, too. They made the movie before the trial of any of these people, which I don't appreciate. But when I was watching an interview with the... There was a woman. I forget her name. She So the director was Nick Cassavetes or whatever his name is. This was his ex-wife, but it said she was an actress, so I don't know if she was played a part in the movie at all. Um, but, like, Sharon Stone played Ben and uh, Nick Markowitz's mom. Bruce Willis played uh, Jesse James Hollywood's dad. Like, there was a, it was a star-studded cast. But So they were doing an interview with her, and she was saying, this film was the first film ever to be made before the trials happened and I was like no bitch it wasn't because I happened to remember a movie called I don't remember the name of it about the cadet (laughs) murder that we just did on the mixtape the other week so yeah I was gonna say that definitely just happened in our recent and didn't the Betty Broderick movie come out before her trial I think so it's happened before so don't get it twisted girlfriend yeah you're not the first but I feel like every like any court case you see that is televised, everybody's like, this was the, f- if it was in the 90s, this is the first ever televised court case. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. Like, just it wasn't. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. So. And you know, if you're not first, you're last. That's right. Nicholas Samuel Markowitz was born on September 19th, 1984 in West Hills, Los Angeles, California. <laughs> It's not Los Angeles, Nevada? Hey, I don't know how many Los Angeleses there are. (laughs) I think it's Los Angeleses. Oh, excuse me. So sorry. Um, Also, thank you to Brittany B. for doing the research. Hey, girl. Hey. Also, she's our our producer level. So this episode brought to you by Brittany B. Thank you, girl. Okay. So Los Angeles of the California variety. To his parents, Jeff and Susan Markowitz, he had two older half-siblings, Ben and Leah. Ben is, how do I, how you say, Ben is, like, not directly involved in this necessarily, but he plays such a pivotal role in this whole thing. Nick was described as a kind, gentle, soft-spoken kid who, aside from not liking sports, was a pretty typical teenager. He had started to rebel, as teenagers do, and by 15, he had experimented with marijuana and Valium, which, that's kind of big, right? Valium? I mean, it can be. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah. On August 5th, 2000, Nick came home and had an argument with his parents when they and his sister Leah thought he appeared to be high and noticed a large bulge in his pocket, but it wasn't like a, you know, is that a baggie of Valium? Are you just happy to see me? It was a baggie (laughs) of Valium. Okay. So they commented on it and 
he got risky move. Yeah, he got in trouble for having been out late partying with his friends and then coming home, obviously high off his ass. So sounds like he was partying like a rock star. Sounds like it. I mean, these well, uh, all these kids or a lot of these kids had access to a lot of stuff that most kids would not. Um, but he got in trouble that night. He got in a fight with his parents, and they just decided that instead of kind of hammering it all out that night, they would just go to bed, and when they got up in the morning, they were going to hash it out. In the morning, when everybody gets up, his mom is cooking breakfast. Nick, instead of coming downstairs to finish this conversation with his parents, is like, I don't really want to do that. So he climbs out his window and just leaves the house. Classic. Yeah. He's walking. He doesn't get very far, like right down the street from his house, which is, I don't know the exact statistic, but what is it like a pretty large percentage of abductions happen very close to home? So he doesn't get very far and a white van approaches him. Two guys hop out. One remained in the driver's seat inside, and they grab Nick, shove him in the back of the van, and they start driving. So these three men are 20-year-old Jesse Ruge, 20-year-old William Skidmore, and 20-year-old Jesse James Hollywood. And they actually (laughs) accidentally left Jesse James Hollywood standing there when they got back in the car to drive away (laughs) because they were so, like, didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And then they were like, oh, shit, he's still there. Wow, rookie mistake. Yeah. There were two witnesses to the attack, not that it helped any. Pauline Ann Mahoney and her children were driving home from church when Pauline saw a group of young men attacking a young boy. She says they were beating him up pretty badly. The lot of them threw him into the van, and then they jumped in, shut the door, and the van started moving. This is before everyone had cell phones on them, so she sped home. She remembered the, or like took down the license plate number or memorized it. So she gave it to the police. She spent her whole way driving home saying it over and over so she could remember it. And I would have to do that 100%. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because you can hardly even get the area code memorized. <laughs> and we only have two in this area. It's like either or. My, my bad. Okay. <laughs> and she actually had her kids do it with her so that she wouldn't forget. I mean, that's, she was doing what she could there. There was LAPD follow-up, but the 911 call, I hate, I hate when this happened, was coded incorrectly. It was coded as an assault and not a kidnapping in progress. How many times does this shit happen where, like, somebody doesn't take down the information correctly, and then later, you know, when something happens and they're like, oh, actually, somebody called, like, somebody made a 911 call from that house, but we didn't file it correctly, so nobody knew that that person had called 911 or whatever. Like, right. It's awful. So when police scanned the area, they didn't see anybody laying there that had gotten beaten up. So they were just like, oh, well, he must be gone. Done. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Exactly. Another police call had come in about the incident. mm, I'm not sure how to say this. I don't know how to say any of it. Rosalia de la Cruz Guito? I'm sorry, girl. I don't know was a UCLA student at the time whose parents lived in West Hills. She had called the police from a cell phone, which hardly anybody had. This is 2000, so it was probably a giant brick phone. 
right? And she called right away, within a minute of seeing the attack. She said, at first I thought it was some kind of a gang situation, but when I saw them pick him up and throw him into the van, that's what I thought warranted the call. I think a gang situation does too, but okay. Yeah. So police failed to track down the van until a month later. They had the license plate number, but they couldn't find the van. They also did not link Rosalia's emergency call to the initial report, because why would they? Rosalia later testified that even though she had given the 911 operator her name and phone number, no one from the police department contacted her for further questioning. Ever. Why? Why would they? Yeah. So, what was this? Was this a random kidnapping? Was it a gang situation? And they said that West Hills, the area that this happened in, was... A nice area. It's not like it was an area where that kind of activity would have been super prevalent. Um, but that kind of stuff, I mean, obviously can happen anywhere. But it just wasn't um, that particular area was deemed to be a safe area to walk around in. The people that picked him up, though, were not just random dudes. They were friends of Nick's older half-brother, Ben. So Ben and Jesse James Hollywood, who had played Little League together when they were kids. Like Little Giant style. Mm-hmm. They were coached by Hollywood's drug-dealing father, Jack Hollywood, were in a full-on feud because Ben owed Hollywood a $1,200 drug debt. Wow. $1,200? $1,200. In 2000, that would be like $4 million today. Oh, yeah, for sure. Also, I I have a few feelings. So, Jack Hollywood. So, this Jesse James Hollywood, that's his real legal name. I'm not even kind of surprised. So, his parents' last name was Hollywood. Like, okay, fine. But don't name your kid Jesse James Hollywood. I'm not giving him a pass for being a douchebag, but what other choice did he have? Yeah, what did you expect? I just feel like that's so, I don't know. Setting him up. Yeah, it's just, that paired with Hollywood is just too much. And also, I hate this guy. So, I don't know. But I don't, in my experience, which is not a ton, I don't like many people who are named Jesse James. Mm, Yeah. Also, there are two Jessies in this story. And my kid's name is Jesse. And then the other one is Ben. And my other kid's name is Ben. Whoa. Yeah. A little close to home. I know. But also, Jack Hollywood was, seems like a, a royal douchebag himself, so I think the apple didn't fall far from the tree on that one. Right. Jesse James Hollywood was a mid-level drug dealer that took on the drug business from his dad. He had his friends out selling drugs for him, which they would then inevitably in some way become indebted to him because either they didn't collect a debt that was owed or I don't know, however that happens. But he liked that because then he had power over these people. So Jesse James Hollywood wasn't a real super tough guy. He was only 5'4". And he kind of had that like Napoleon syndrome where he tried to overcompensate in other ways. So he wasn't like the super tough guy, but he tried to act like it. And His dad was a drug dealer, so from a very, very young age, Jesse James Hollywood had access to really, really high-grade marijuana, and he would smoke it, he would have his friends over, 
And then he just started doing that. And by the time he was 19 years old, he paid cash for a $200,000 house. Oh my gosh. Wow. He sounds kind of like a chihuahua. Yes. Yeah. Those little shits. Yeah, that's what he is. <laughs> but he would he would use that power over people. So one of the people that he had a lot of power over was Ryan Hoyt. So that was one of his friends, again, from a very young age. But Ryan was said to not be very smart. And he desperately wanted Jesse James Hollywood's approval. And he was kind of a a henchman of sorts. But Jesse James Hollywood would give him like really degrading and demeaning kind of tasks. Like everybody would be like there. Like Charlie work. Yes, he would give him Charlie work. Like he, everybody would be there partying, doing whatever they're doing. And then he'd be like, okay, Ryan, go clean up the dog shit in the backyard. And like everybody's watching him do it. So he was pretty mean to this guy. And I guess Ryan owed him some sort of a debt. I'm not sure how much, but he felt like he had to do whatever Jesse told him. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. But Ben Markowitz was a tough guy. He wasn't afraid to get in a fight with somebody. He wasn't afraid to buck up. He was like that classic, like, vandalizing, you know, kid who's getting into trouble. He would slash tires. He would beat the shit out of somebody. Like, he didn't give a shit. He was tough. And so he and Jesse James Hollywood were friends growing up. But then there was somebody who owed Jesse James Hollywood 1200 bucks. So he sent Ben to collect on it because he felt like Ben was going to get the money because he was tough. And Ben came back from wherever this was and he didn't have the money. And so Hollywood was like, okay, well then now you owe me the money because you didn't get it for me. And Ben was like, actually, um, your mom called fuck you. Like he's, he was just like, I'm not paying you and you can fuck off. So now they're in this huge feud. He's like, loser say what? <laughs> exactly. Like he was not having it. So it started an all out war between them over 1200 bucks, which if Jesse James Hollywood is paying 200k for a house cash, 
than I would think 1200 he would wipe his ass with, but I mean, I guess in their mind, in Jesse's mind, he can't let somebody walk away from a $1,200 debtor that makes him look weak. He's got to do something right. about it. Um, It's like on A Bug's Life when Hopper was like, I mean, you know, if I just let you guys go, then everybody else is going to be like, oh, okay, well, then we can do it. And it only takes one. It's exactly like A Bug's Life. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm just a, saying, I mean, that's seeing, what I was thinking, yeah. I was like, this is a so like a bug's life. <laughs> yeah. So, one night in February of that year, Jesse and his girlfriend went to a restaurant in Woodland Hills where Ben's girlfriend worked. And so, they racked up a tab of, like, 50 bucks, and instead of paying, Jesse just left a note on the table saying, take this off Ben's debt. So, they're kind of going back and forth at this point. Ben retaliates by messing up a $35,000 insurance scam Hollywood had set up. $35,000, my God. Yeah. Uh, like, I guess he's got, like, they've got dirt on each other, but it's like they can't actually go physically report anything to anybody because they're both doing so much illegal shit that they just yeah, have they to, like, like, implicate him themselves. Yeah, right? they just have to fuck up each other's illegal shit. <laughs> he also, Ben also went over to Hollywood's house and smashed up some windows with a metal pipe. So that was, like, a definite message. Yeah, that was, like, not cool. Uh, no, not cool. On August 6th, Hollywood is packing up his house and moving with the white van when they spot Nick walking and Hollywood gets an idea to steal him. So initially what they said was that Hollywood was like, let's get in the van and go look for Ben. I want to go find Ben, I guess, to fuck him up or something. And it's him and... William Skidmore and Jesse Rugi. There might have been one other person in the van at that time. So they're driving around and they're supposedly looking for Ben. But like the DA is like, I don't really know how hard they were looking for him. It was like they were driving around because, again, Jesse Hollywood is kind of a little shit. Like he's not going to do anything if he finds Ben. He's scared of him. So he's acting like I'm going to go find him and do something to him. And I think everybody kind of knew like that's not going to happen. So they're driving around. They can't find him. And then they're driving past where Nick is walking, and he's like, stop the van, that's his brother. So they stop the van, and then they haul ass to go get Nick, because he starts running away. Then they pick up another guy, Brian Affronti, and they drove to Santa Barbara just a few hours away. So once they pick up Nick, they're like, we need to find somewhere to hold him. We don't know where to take him. One of them says, let's go to Santa Barbara and bring him to like my friend's house or whatever. He can just stay there. They tell Nick that they're holding him because Ben owes a debt and they're like, when you, when he pays it, we'll let you go. And he's like, okay. So another thing about Nick is he was a sweet kid. He was a gentle person. He was not like these guys who didn't give a shit about other people's lives. Like he was, he was a genuinely sweet person, but he idolized Ben and he really wanted to fit in with that group. But it wasn't inherent in his nature to fit in with that group because that's just not how he acted and carried himself. So I think initially he was just like, all right, once the debt is paid, I'll be let go. That's what they were telling him. They end up giving him Valium because everybody has Valium, apparently. Yeah. And Hollywood told him, if you run, I'll break your teeth. So initially he, 
I mean, he definitely didn't want to be kidnapped, but he did believe, he did not believe that it, this was going to end in his murder, for sure. Um, right. And he also didn't want to make anything worse for Ben. I think he really believed that he was doing something to help Ben in a situation. This was his way that he could do something for Ben when it's always kind of been the other way around in his mind. So while they're in Santa Barbara, Nick meets Jesse Ruge's friends, Graham Presley, who I mentioned before, he's 17, Natasha Adams Young, and Kelly Carpenter, who I think are also all 17, 18. They're, they're young. And he goes to different house parties with them. There's lots of witnesses, lots of parents, lots of other people that see Nick with, other pe- with the, that group of people. But they didn't realize anything was up. A lot of people, though, did know that Nick had been kidnapped, but they didn't notify the police because he looked like he was okay. They were like, well, he's playing video games, he's doing drugs, he's drinking, like he seems like he's having a good time. But they were at Jesse Rookie's house for a couple days, and Jesse's dad comes in and out. Nobody fucking asks any questions. Like, hey, there's a kid staying at my house, and he looks pretty young, and I don't know who he is. Maybe I should wonder, do his parents know he's here? Maybe I should ask a question. What's this person's name? (laughs) Nothing. Exactly. And they're all doing drugs, like, just openly all doing drugs. Like, while Jesse Ruge is monitoring Nick, well, first of all, Jesse James Hollywood was like, you take care of him. Hollywood goes back to his house, which is 70 miles away, back in West Hills. So he's leaving everything for Jesse Ruge to handle. And they had initially tied him up and, like, all that kind of stuff. They had put a sock around his eyes so he couldn't see. And after Hollywood leaves, Jesse Ruge is like, I don't think this is super necessary. Like, I'll untie you. I think you're fine. So he's not tied for the most part. He's just there. And during that time, Hollywood calls his dad's attorney. And he wants to know... This guy's name is Stephen Hogg. He wants to know, what are the legal repercussions for kidnapping someone? How much trouble could someone get in (laughs) if they kidnap somebody? I'm asking for a friend. Just my friend asked me. I'm not sure what happened, but they want to know. And so the guy is like, well... I mean, it depends on the circumstances. If your friends hurt this guy, if your friends ask for money from him, they can get life in prison. And Hollywood was like, well, I can't go to prison for the rest of my life, so fuck that. During all this, Nick's parents are obviously freaking the fuck out and looking for their kids. They file a missing persons report on August the 8th, and... It's just, it's so sad because while they're doing all of this, again, we have the license plate number of the van that he was picked up in. It was the street that he lived on that this person was kidnapped. We have two separate 911 calls reporting the incident, but nothing, like nothing. Now we've got a missing persons report. Jesse Ruge ends up taking Nick Markowitz to the Lemon Tree Inn in Santa Barbara. So. 
Jesse Rugi, since he still lives with his parents because he's a piece of shit, nothing wrong with you if you live with your parents, but Jesse Rugi is a piece of shit who still lives with his parents because he's like failure to launch. All he does is do drugs all day. He often, in order to have like hotel parties to get away from his parents, he would go check in at the Lemon Tree Inn. He would pay cash and then he would just have like these big hotel parties and have all of his friends come over and they just do drugs and swim in the pool and like whatever. So they go to the Lemon Tree Inn and they were calling it Nick's final like party that the celebration that like, okay, we're going to give you bus money and you're going to be able to go back home tonight. Oh, okay. I was like, they were. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that sounded really bad. So they were like, you're about to be released. Let's celebrate it. was like it. a farewell party. Yeah. Yeah. And and at this point, okay, so Nick's 15. At one point during this trip, Jesse Rugi, like that, those, the girl um, and Graham Presley and that Natasha girl, and I forget the other girl's name, they went to Natasha's house to party for a while. And then Jesse Rugi actually left because he was ready to go back home and left Nick there with the two girls partying. And a lot of people are like... Well, then he's not kidnapped anymore. He could have gone home. But he fully believed, I think, that nothing was going to happen to him. And I also think he might have believed if I leave, that's bad for Ben. If I leave, he'll get in trouble. They'll go after him or whatever. I'm just staying put. Also, he's hanging out with girls and he probably liked one of them or, you know, like whatever. And he's 15. And doing drugs. Yeah, he's he's partying. He th- he's He's fitting in with a group that he's been wanting to fit in with, like... I don't know. And he's 15. Like, who makes the best decisions when you're 15? Right, yeah. And he was also in Santa Barbara, which was 70 miles away from his house with no money, no nothing. So, like, what's he going to do? Right. It'd be very difficult. They're they're calling this party, like, oh, your farewell party. We're going to get you on a bus to go home. Like, everything's going to be fine. Everything's over, basically. Hollywood's freaking out. He thinks, I can't go to prison for the rest of my life. He knows who we are. Um, and they Jesse Rugi had told him they were going to give him money for a bus ticket and to not report it to anybody. Like, we'll give you money if you just if it'll just go away, basically. And Nick agreed to it. And he did everything they told him to do. He stayed there. He he never told anybody, you know, when they were when they did see people. He didn't say, I need help or anything like that. He stayed put. He kept his mouth shut. He did what he was told to do. And so they're like, we'll give you some hush money. This will all go away. You can go home. So Hollywood is, of course, freaking out, and he's setting this plan in motion. He's telling them to tell Nick, you're going home, everything's fine. But then he knows that he can't let him go because he's got a witness. This is a loose end to him. This is not a person anymore. He wasn't a person to begin with. This is, that was a pawn to get what he wanted out of Ben Markowitz. And also during this time, Jesse James Hollywood made no attempts to contact Ben Markowitz in any way once they kidnapped his brother. To be like, okay, well, this is the deal. We've got Nick, so we need you to pay the debt or, and we'll let him go. How was Ben supposed to even know? He didn't. And, and that's the thing. Jesse James Hollywood was such a little bitch that he wouldn't then go tell Ben that he had his brother because he knew he would get the shit kicked out of him. Like, he knew Ben would flip the fuck out. Ben had a temper, a bad temper. He had no problems with beating the shit out of somebody. And Jesse James Hollywood was scared of him. So Jesse Ruge, who has this kid sitting at his house for a couple days, is like, 
squeeze me. When are you going to call Ben? Like, what's going on with Ben? Has Ben called you back? Like, is he going to pay yeah. you? What are we doing here? Can I let this kid go? Like, what's going on? And Jesse just made excuses. And finally, he was like, we just have to get rid of him. Like, there's no other way around it. So Ryan Hoyt was chosen because he was looking for ways to pay off his debts to Jesse James Hollywood. And he was obviously seeking approval from him. And he, I think he wanted to move up in Jesse's eyes as like, I don't want to be the one you always call to just do the clean up the dog shit or, you know, Charlie work or whatever. So when Jesse called him and was like, hey, dude, I've got an opportunity for you and your debts will be cleared. Done. He's like, "Okay, let's do it. So he goes over to Hollywood's house and Hollywood's got an arsenal of weapons. He's got tons of drugs, obviously, because he's having all of his friends dealing them for him. But he's also got lots of weapons. And so they go hand in hand, I feel like, a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. So he's got a tech. It says tech DC9. I feel like I've heard it tech nine. Is that right? Have you heard that? I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was also a, a gun that was used in the Columbine shooting. But this gun had been modified. So it's an assault pistol. But it had been modified into a fully automatic machine gun capable of spraying 12 rounds per second. Holy shit. Because these dumbasses need in a fucking automatic assault rifle weapon, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know what a rifle is. but So back at the Lemon Tree Inn, everybody's partying. Everybody's having a good time. There's girls. There's booze. There's whatever. Oh, my gosh. I thought you were going to say there were boobs. And I'm like, well, yeah, if there are girls, they're going to be boobs. <laughs> Every girl had boobs. So, um, <laughs> like, you know, they're having a good time. Nick was having a good time, too. He th- he's very intoxicated. He's on drugs. He's been partying for several hours by this point. Around 11 p.m. Oh, and the people at the party were calling him Stolen Boy and like laughing about it. Like that was his nickname. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's so gross to me. I hate it. I don't like that. Yeah. So around 11 p.m., Rugi announced that, okay, somebody's going to come and pick up Nick to bring him home. So everybody's going to have to go when that happens. Ryan Hoyt gets there and. When he walks in, he takes Graham Presley with him, and they go get, go back to Rugi's house and get shovels. So Graham Presley was from the area and knew, like, all of the areas around there, so they're looking for a place to dispose of the body. So what the DA said was, Ryan Hoyt, again, not the brightest bulb in, is it in the box? Now I'm stupid. Brightest bulb in the who? <laughs> in the tanning bed? <laughs> Like, he's not the brightest bulb in the tanning bed. So he doesn't know what he means by find a good place or safe place to dispose of the body. So he brings Graham along to let him know where would be a good place to do this. Then he has Graham, and Graham doesn't know this guy. So he has Graham start digging the grave. And the DA was like, I legitimately think that Graham probably thought he was digging his own grave. He had no idea what was happening. He doesn't know this guy. This guy comes and picks him up and says, you're coming with me. And now start digging. Like, he had no idea what was going on. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So then they go back to the motel and they go to, they go back to Lizard's Mouth Trail in the mountains. So up in the mountains. <laughs> um, or I'm sorry, that's where they dug the grave and all that. I, I should have said that. I before. made the connection, but I didn't yeah. know if anybody else yeah, did. Sorry. So Lizard's Mouth Trail is where they dug the grave up in the mountains so they go back to the hotel they get nick and they're like all right dude time to go home like here we are we're gonna drive you to the bus station everything's going great they tell everybody to get out of the room they're like party's over everybody get out of here they drive up there and you you gotta think like what is he what's going through his head because he's like okay we're not on the freeway we should be now we're driving up into the mountains it's the middle of the night it's like midnight by this point where are we going? I'm with a couple people I know, but I don't know this other guy. Like, he just shows up, and now we're going up in the mountains. And Rugi allegedly told Nick, I'm not going to hurt you. And Nick replied, I know, which is so sad because he, I think he did trust them. And they then bound Nick's hands, and they said they had his hands in so much duct tape that you could not see any part of his fingers at all. And it was kind of like in a prayer position. But they they went overboard with the tape. And then they took the tape and went over his face. So covered his mouth and his eyes with duct tape. And they said that they way overdid that too. You could tell it was like a panic situation because they were just like taping so much. He takes the gun. And in the in the TV show that I watched, they do a reenactment of it. And it was awful because to shoot that gun you're going to hear so many rounds fire off i mean it's 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 almost point blank he's standing so close to him and just shoots him right in the chest so he got hit eight of the 13 rounds hit him and he died instantly and he fell back into the grave but it was and i know it was just a reenactment it was disturbing just to think it's overkill. Like, why do you need that type? That type of a weapon just scares the shit out of me in general. Me too. Like, the oh, only yeah. time you think you would hear a, an automatic weapon like that is, like, in a war movie, you know? And it was just in that situation, in such a close proximity with one person, and you're, you're just, you're executing this 15-year-old kid. It was, it's awful. Um, and, like, after you've gained his trust. I mean, he's very much, like, 
I know, guys. I know you're not going to hurt me. You said you're going to let me go. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm totally cooperating. I'm going to do whatever it is that you tell me to do. Like, I just... Trying to protect That makes brother. me so sad. It's so sad. Yes. They covered him with dirt and sticks, barely. I mean, and it was a very shallow grave. It was not not deep at all. And according to police interviews, Rugi says that he got physically ill, but Ryan Hoyt just stared in awe at what he had done. I don't know if he was proud, but... Didn't affect him negatively. Didn't seem that way. Uh, Four days later, hikers and a small film crew found Nick's badly decomposing body. They were like up in the mountains and the first thing that they noticed was the smell and then when they started looking around there was actually a shoe sticking up out of the ground because he was i mean barely covered just there on august 16th 2000 ryan hoyt jesse Ruge, william skidmore and graham presley were all arrested it was not hard to find these people it wasn't hard to find them after the murder <laughs> well that's true but they didn't even try before so yeah. Jesse James Hollywood went on the run. He was gone. He had help from a lot of people, though. This was not just him because he's such a dumbass. He couldn't have done it by himself. But he fled to Brazil. He meets a girl there. So he had a girlfriend in the States and he'd been with her for a while. And she said she thought they were going to get married. And the night that this happened, um, he had taken her to a birthday dinner at Outback Steakhouse. It was her 19th birthday. That's a nice that's a nice birthday dinner. It is. Uh he paid with a credit card, which he never did. He always paid with cash, but he's setting up his alibi because he knows his kid's about to get murdered and he's going to be at Outback 70 plus miles away using a credit card proving that he wasn't there. But then he gets to Brazil, leaves like just out of nowhere. And he meets a girl and he gets her pregnant. And oh my. He's very Lou Bega. I got a girlfriend everywhere. Yeah. And here's the thing. He thought that he'd heard about a case where a train robber, Ronnie Biggs, had fled to Brazil and fathered a child there to avoid deportation. So he thought if you have a kid, wherever it is, I guess in Brazil specifically, that they can't extradite you back to the States to stand trial. I think he's confused because I'm pretty sure I don't even know if I mean I nope I don't want to say it because I'm gonna get it wrong something about maybe if he was the if he was the seahorse and he was carrying the baby perhaps he would not be able to be deported male has the baby yeah I don't know he he definitely thought you were not and maybe well I guess when that happened it had been a while so the law had changed since then but I guess he had heard about the story and just assumed this is just how it is there if I go there and get somebody pregnant, I can I can never be taken back to the United States. Well, not not so. He went to Brazil under a fake name. He was using the name Michael Costa Giroux and his cousin, I guess, lived there. So he was going getting help from his cousin too. But they finally did catch him and they extradited his dumb ass back to the states because he's like no no, no wait, wait 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 i've got a baby like it's, this is yeah big misunderstanding yeah i'm sorry you must not have heard me i got somebody pregnant so we're good here right going to be a father everything's fine <laughs> so he goes back to stand trial now 
and that was four or five years after. I mean, he was on the run for a while. He didn't get caught till wow. 04, 05. So Ryan Hoyt stood trial first. He was 20 when he was charged. He was convicted on November 21st, 2001, and he was sentenced to death. He, um, his attitude about the whole thing was very, I did this much, but I didn't do all of it. So he was like, he wanted to keep all of the events separate. Like, the abduction was completely separate to him. The, um, the holding him somewhere was completely separate. The drugging him was completely separate. Like, he's like, the digging of the grave. He's like, I didn't dig a grave. I just shot the kid. All I did was shoot the kid. It's like, okay. Did you hear what you said, though? You shot the kid. Like, okay, well, that's not that big of a deal then. No problems. Yeah, I mean, you barely did. He, you did, didn't even do anything, hardly, so. Exactly. So he went to jail, and he got sentenced to death. Um, It did get converted to life without possibility of parole, and he tried to get a new trial in 2020, but it was denied. Jesse Ruge, who was 20 at the time of the murder, was charged with aiding in the kidnap and murder of Nick. He was convicted in 2002 of aggravated kidnapping for ransom or extortion, and he was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after seven years, and he was released from prison on October 24th, 2013. That just seems like a huge window, which we see a lot, but like life in prison with the possibility of parole after seven years? Yeah. Like the whole rest of your life and then seven years. Yeah. So he got paroled after 11. I, I mean, he's on one hand, it's like he seemed like he didn't want anything bad to happen. He showed some compassion toward Nick, but also at the same time, how many times could you have stopped it? Yeah, like, you you still kept him at your house. You still kept him kidnapped. You allowed Ryan Hoyt to come pick him up. You knew he was coming. You knew what he was coming to pick him up for. You rode yeah. with him to go do it. Like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about just 11 years on that. I mean, he was young, but still. Um, he has to live with that for the rest of his life, though, so. Yeah. William Skidmore, who was 20 at the time of the murder, was charged with kidnapping and robbery, and in September 2002, he was sentenced to nine years in a state prison as part of a plea agreement, and he was released in April of 2009. So, when they started filming or wanting to shoot the movie, apparently Nick Cassavetes went to visit him in prison and wanted to talk to him about the case, and William was like, you trying to get me fucking killed, dude? No, I'm not talking to you. And he was like, I didn't, I was not talking to that guy. He's like, that kind of shit will get you killed in prison. I was like, golly. That's, oh, geez. Yeah. Graham Presley, who was 17 at the time of the murder, who's the one that actually dug the grave, was tried twice. He was acquitted of kidnapping and the jury was hung on the murder charge. In October 2002, he was retried for murder and he was convicted of second degree murder. And, he has also since been released, so he he didn't get sentenced to life in prison. Jesse James Hollywood, who was 20 at the time of the murder, he was on FBI's Most Wanted list for five years, and at the time, he was the youngest person to be on the Most Wanted list. I don't know if that's still I bet he was not. so proud of that. Exactly. I know. I hate that he had, like, something that was, like, a first or a young, you know, whatever. 
His, like, claim to fame. Yeah, exactly. In 2009, he was convicted of kidnapping and first-degree murder. He faced the death penalty, but he got life in prison without the possibility of parole. Um, In 2005, July of 2005, his girlfriend, I don't know if this is Marcia or Marcia. She's from Brazil, so maybe Marcia. Reyes gave birth to Hollywood's son named John Paul Hollywood Reyes. She and... Jesse James Hollywood are no longer together. In jail, Good. yeah. In jail, Hollywood began writing to a woman named Melinda Enos. The couple got married in the visitors' room in prison on January nineteenth, twenty fourteen. Why in the world? I will never understand. That's this is just something that I just cannot wrap my head around. Why you would marry a prisoner in prison? Like, I don't get the appeal. Mm. No, I don't either. I mean, and also somebody like that who you know full well um, doesn't have a heart, is a piece of shit, has no balls, no balls. Like, he could have, if this is the life you want to live, if you want to be this drug dealer and you've got to show that you're tough and all this shit, then buck up and go fight Ben Markowitz. You will see Ben is nowhere in the story. <laughs> right. But he plays a pivotal role yeah in the entire thing it's all just to get back at him and he never had the fucking guts to roll up on ben and be like let's settle this like god i just fucking hate this guy um, Well, and everything that he everything that he did he had other people do it anyway so right yeah that just shows you yeah yeah exactly he's he's manipulative he's um I mean, I feel like he's damn near a cult leader just with how many people felt so compelled to do everything that he wanted them to do when he was so hateful. And also, he was a pipsqueak. Like, 5'4", I could take his ass. Like, and none of these guys <laughs> bucked up to him. Like, right? why? What's he going to do? You know he's going to bitch out. Like, well, I don't know. It just, it's upsetting because so many people could have stopped it so many times. Mm-hmm. And it's all because Jesse said no. I just, whatever. In 2003, the Markowitz family won an $11.2 million civil suit against the kidnappers and the murderers, along with other defendants, such as the family friend whose van was used in the kidnapping, and the owners of all the several homes where Nicholas was held against his will. Again, all these parents never asked any questions, like, just whatever you guys want to do, like, whatever. Nick's mom, Susan, wrote a book called My Stolen Son, and Brittany said that it was so heartbreaking she ugly cried, so I definitely don't think I'm going to be able to handle it. No, 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 no. She talks about how she was hospitalized 13 times for suicide attempts after Nick's death before, yeah, Hollywood was captured, and she said she finally held on because she was determined to be alive and see that all of them were held accountable for what they'd done to her son. And I really don't know anything else about Ben. Like, I don't know. I mean, he's got to be going through some shit. Like, knowing that. The guilt, probably. Probably feeling very responsible. Like, it's my choices that, you know. I mean, obviously, he didn't do it on purpose. He definitely did a bunch of uh, stupid shit. But. Yeah, I mean, it's just, that's a lot. And look at how many people were involved in this. Jesse involved, like, literally every one of his friends. So all of their families lost a lot. All of their families had to go through the fallout of this. Obviously, the Markowitz family. I mean, that's, you know, doesn't need to be stated. But 
it's there's so many people whose lives were affected. And now he's got a son in Brazil who I hope never finds out that the only reason is on this earth is because his dad was such a piece of shit that he didn't want to get extradited for a murder. Right. Like, how manipulative Ugh. do you have to be to bring a person into this world for your own gain? Yeah. Only for his benefit. Only exactly. for his benefit. Yeah. Fuck that guy. I hate him. And knowing that if if he knew then what he knows now, he wouldn't have done it. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? exactly. Like, would yeah. not have wanted to have a kid. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't be here if I knew that that law had changed. If, exactly. If I'd ever read a book. Right. <laughs> yeah. So... So that's it. That's a tough one. That's sad. It makes me want to go watch Alpha Dog now, though. I know. Have you not seen it? I never have seen it. Really? I watched it, you know, back at that time. So let's see. It came out in 2006. So back at that time, it took a little bit longer for movies to actually, like, come out. But I watched it. I didn't watch it in the theaters, but I watched it on DVD once it came out. I I never did watch it. I don't know why. I think I only watched it because of Justin Timberlake. Yeah, you've been a very, very... um, loyal fan of jt for a while so yeah all right so that's the case and uh thank you for listening and watching Mm -hmm. yeah we'll catch you next week we're um we're actually doing columbine next week it'll be april 20th will be the anniversary of it so rough stuff yeah yeah it's rough stuff so just go ahead and get ready for that well thank you so much and we'll catch you next time bye Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.